on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Road. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. Uh, I have uh, news for you, Utica. Stand by here momentarily, but uh, perhaps you're listening on the ESPN app. Not quite uh, the nice sunny day we've had the past two days, but it is still a feature for you to Put on the ESPN app, find the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and take us with you wherever you go, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. But we've heard from people that are on spring break this week, but they're still tapping in. They're still listening. That's the beauty of the app. Wherever you are, you can stay in touch with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse and ESPN Radio Utica, Rome. Here's how you get in touch with the program, 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The On the Block text line is 288-0644. You got your face in your phone. You might as well fire off a hot take or two. That's hot. While you're there. Uh, I mentioned I have news for our friends in Utica. So tonight, Comets Hockey, Game 3. Comets and Marlies as they try to stay alive in the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, contrary to popular opinion, tonight's game is not yet sold out, Utica. You still have a chance to get tickets. Our friend Andy Zilch, who will be hanging in studio with us tomorrow, because we will be doing this show in Utica tomorrow from our palatial downtown Utica studios. Uh, the Zilch man, I don't know if they call him that. I just made that up. But he did uh, let me know that there are still tickets available. Now, uh, at last check, there was about 75 tickets left for tonight's game. So act fast if you want to grab them. And the website that you can grab them from is EmpireStateTix.com. EmpireStateTix, that's T-I-X dot com. So tonight's Comets game is close to being sold out, as you would anticipate, because they all sell out, but not officially sold out yet. If we get an update on that, we'll let you know. But as of going on the air moments ago, there were still tickets available, but act fast, especially now that I just said that. EmpireStateTix.com. There you go, Utica. We got three guests joining us today. Looking forward to speaking with all three of these gentlemen. The great Sal Capaccio, WGR, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, will join us this hour. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. What about Mason Rudolph? The Bills are certainly targeting a quarterback. Which one and how will they get it? And where will they get him? 
All the questions answered for your Buffalo Bills coming up this hour. We spent a lot of time talking about the Giants and Jets the past couple of days. We're going to circle back on the Bills. Also on the NFL Draft today, our good friend Jason Horowitz from Westwood One. He will be hosting the NFL Draft for the mighty Westwood One, so we'll get his take on the draft. Plus, the Rice Commission, as you know, Jason, is also the host of the Westwood One College basketball coverage for the NCAA tournament and throughout the season, so I'm sure he'll have thoughts as I will momentarily, on the Rice Commission's findings today, which they really didn't find anything we didn't already know. They just simply shined a brighter light on it, as we'll get into here momentarily. The great Stephen Bailey will join us later in the show. We will focus in on which Syracuse players could be drafted tomorrow, or Friday, or Saturday, and that's probably likely more Saturday. But at some point, will a Syracuse football player hear their name called, or have it merely shown on a screen quickly before they move on to the next draft pick as things move quickly between rounds four and seven. We'll talk to Stephen Bailey about that. I wrote about it on Syracuse.com today, so you should check that out. Now, I think that Zaire Franklin and Steve Ishmael, and I think even Paris Bennett, I think you can you can talk me into Paris Bennett, are NFL football players. I am biased in that because I've watched those three over you know, the past few years here at Syracuse, and I, I have a, a tainted view of that in a way. It's not an objective view by any stretch, but I think they're NFL football players. So I want Steven's take on that, what he's hearing, where they could go. When we talked to Dino a couple weeks ago, he had not heard from any coaches. That was right before the spring game. Has that changed with the draft approaching? Because he said that would change with the draft approaching. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. We will get into that hot takes as usual and so much more. So hop on board, join yourself, or just listen. Either way, we appreciate you being here. Okay, so we've got a lot of NFL draft to talk about, but I want to start with a little college basketball and the Rice Commission. Now, if you're just tuning in, maybe you've seen it on the Internet throughout the day or you know, depending on how much you've seen of this, as Seth Goldberg rejoins us in studio because he has nowhere else to sit, because all the interns are taking up all the spots. This is my studio. You know this. Nobody sits in my studio during the monologue, Goldberg. It's like having a live studio audience. Now I'm nervous. Anyway, as I tend to do on this show, I don't like to read lists, but sometimes I think you kind of have to just to let you know what was in the Rice Commission report. And since I don't like to read lists on this show, but when I am forced to, uh, anytime we do this, we pull up the Benny Hill theme to make it more entertaining for you. So the following was put out today by the Rice Commission, which was put together to basically point at the NCAA and say, you're screwing this up. So here we go. The recommendations from Condoleezza Rice and company are as follows. Work with the NBA to lift the league's so-called one-and-done rule that requires players to be at least 19 years old and a year removed from high school to be draft eligible. Allow players to enter the draft out of high school or after any college season and return to their school if they go undrafted. Create degree completion programs with the NCAA paying for players to finish their degree if they complete at least two years of college. Create a vice presidential level position in the NCAA to oversee a program for certifying agents. Allow and encourage access to certified agents to high school and college players to help athletes and their families make more informed choices about professional opportunities. Create an independent and investigative body to address and resolve complex and serious cases involving NCAA violations 
Are you still with me? Schools that employ a coach and administrator under a show cause order from a previous school would be at risk to receive the harshest penalties if NCAA violations occur under that coach or administrator. Through their contracts, require coaches and athletic directors to comply with NCAA investigations. Require coaches, ADs, and university presidents to certify annually that they have conducted due diligence and their athletic programs comply with NCAA rules. Almost there. Adopt and enforce rigorous criteria for so-called non-scholastic basketball, such as summer recruiting events and AAU leagues. Event owners, sponsors, and coaches must agree to financial transparency. Take a breath. Ban college coaches from non-certified non-scholastic basketball events. Work with USA Basketball and the NBA to create NCAA-run recruiting events in the summer, work with USA Basketball and the NBA to evaluate pre-college players, adopt recommended rule changes made by the National Association of Basketball Coaches that increase interaction between college coaches and recruits, add five public members with full voting privileges to the NCAA Board of Governors, currently comprised of 16 university presidents and a partridge in a pear tree. So, you know what the Rice Commission found? Nothing. They added nothing. They simply took a spotlight and pointed it in college basketball, and we watched the rats scurry. Here is uh, Condoleezza Rice, which was really the primary focus of their findings today, eliminating the one-and-done rule, which, remember, is not a college rule. It is an NBA rule, and it is a rule that before this commission came together was on its last legs anyway. The one-and-done rule is dead. It is going away Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN, writing today, as soon as 2020, this thing could be gone. But here's what she said. Elite high school players with NBA prospects and no interest in a college degree should not be forced to attend college, often for less than a year. The one-and-done regime may have provided some benefits for the NBA and even for the NCAA at some time in the past. But the downsides now outweigh the benefits. These uniquely talented elite players are the focus of agents and apparel companies and investment advisors and college coaches and others who seek to profit from their skills. If these players are allowed to turn professional, some of the pressure on the collegiate model will be reduced. One more from Condoleezza Rice here on the state of college basketball, which again, I didn't need Condoleezza Rice to tell me things are screwed up, but it's basically what she said today. We must separate the college track from the professional track by ending one and done. We call on the NBA and the NBPA, who exclusively have power here, to once again make 18-year-olds eligible for the NBA draft so that high school players who are drafted may proceed directly to the NBA. Should the NBA and the NBPA decide not to do so, the commission will reconvene and consider other measures, including freshman ineligibility, and or the lockup of scholarships for a specific period of time. Condoleezza Rice is a smart woman. I respect Condoleezza Rice. But this isn't the problem. They focused heavily on the one-and-done rule. The one-and-done rule, while an issue, is not the main ailment that college basketball has. As a matter of fact, they didn't even address the biggest rule here. I said it on this show. I said it on my podcast. I have written about it. I have screamed from the rooftops about it. Not that they listen to me, but the biggest issue here is these players do not feel that they can profit off their likeness. The issue here is that if you are at a level 
where you feel, and I'm not talking about NBA guys, because the one-and-done guys are a very short list. There's a lot of players that think they're one-and-done guys, and that's the problem. And I want to reiterate that with a number that I saw today. Jonathan Gavoni, ESPN, their NBA draft guru, put it out there today. This just puts into context how many of these players think they're going. Keep in mind, there are 60 draft spots, and not every team drafts. Some teams have multiple picks. The NBA released to teams the list of 236 players that filed as early entry candidates for the 2018 NBA draft. There are 181 college players and 55 internationals. That is up significantly from last year, which had 182 players 137 from college and 45 international. That's an increase of 30%. There are 236 players that filed for early entry into the NBA. There are 60 draft spots. And even if you file them into the G League or other places, there's not enough room for all of these players. There just isn't. So while the one-and-done rule is certainly something that has to be discussed and addressed, We've already done this. The one-and-done rule is going away. What they did not address is the main problem here, that these players see colleges paying head coaches and other people lots of money, and they're not getting any of it. So when a sneaker rep or an AAU coach or whoever, before they get to college and in some cases afterwards, slips them money some other ways, what they did not address is what can we do to motivate you not to do that? They did not address that. They basically highlighted a lot of the things that we know are wrong with college basketball. Now, that's to be fair. There were a few things in the Rice Commission that I thought are productive. Like, if you are a player who leaves, puts his name in the draft, and does not get drafted, you can go back to college. That never made sense, that they made you ineligible, because how dare you? You hired an agent. I like that. I like some of the oversight, but some of these things like, Coaches will be required to talk to the NCAA as part of their contracts. Again, all you did was point out something I already know, that the NCAA is toothless. It does not have subpoena power. It does not have true enforcement. Look at North Carolina. You could not have put a fatter piece of steak on a plate for the NCAA, and they could not cut into it because of the loophole in their rules. That didn't apply to it. We knew this. That's what the FBI exposed. So I don't think the Rice Commission, and again, to be fair, there are some proposed solutions in here, and they're not done. But they didn't solve a problem here. They didn't really come in and say, look, here's the issue. Here's how you fix it. And for them to punt on what was the essential thing here, addressing the opportunity for players to be able to profit off their likeness in some way. And the reason they punted on that was because of litigation that is currently out there. What does that have to do with you? You are an independent commission, allegedly, that was hired to oversee the sport and say, not only here are the problems, here are the solutions. And again, they are not done, so maybe that's coming down the road here, to be fair. But that's how I read it. I didn't see anything other than what I already knew, coaches are going to roll their eyes at a lot of this. Some people are encouraged that some change will come as early as August. But we cannot focus on the one-and-done rule. The one-and-done rule is not the problem, and it's going away anyway. So go read it. 
Check it out. Read some people today that you trust that wrote about this. I will part on this note before we bring in Sal Capaccio. Talk some NFL draft. Who I have long considered to be the best columnist in America these days. Dan Wetzel wrote this today, and I think he nailed it. What's coming in some form or fashion, a new enforcement model that outsources the most complicated and significant investigations, harsher penalties for cheaters, a contractual obligation for coaches and administrators to cooperate with NCAA investigators, a push to terminate the NBA's one-and-done rule, an allowance for undrafted players to return to college basketball, a financially enhanced degree completion program for players who finished at least two years out of college, a remaking of non-scholarship basketball, a more enlightened approach to agent interactions with players, and other stuff. What's not coming? The end of the amateurism model, or even any substantive alteration to it. And and that's, end quote, Dan Wetzel, begin quote, Brent Axe. That's the problem. The amateurism model is outdated. It is archaic, and it needs to be blown up. And they did not do that today. So therefore... Here's a nice check, Condoleezza Rice and company. You fixed nothing. On that note, we will break and talk some NFL draft. Sal Capaccio coming up next. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Sure is, kids. Great to have you here. Happy Wednesday. Getting over that hump. Thanks again to our buddy Sal Capaccio. All of our interviews, by the way, if you missed them, try and keep up, slacker. Go up on our website, ESPNSyracuse.com. It is a fine website where many hours of entertainment can be burned. Uh, The audio vault is where you find the interviews. I would also encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to the podcast of not only this show, but Orange Nation, the Daniel Baldwin show as well, to get uh, versions of those programs sent to you to listen on demand. If you miss shows earlier in the week or just want to do it on your time, maybe you're an insomniac and you need to get back to sleep at 2 in the morning we're there for you. I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm just. It's on you when you listen to it, but no, it is available to you on demand. Let's get to it, baby, with that fancy open. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Confirming what we all know. The Gronk is back. You know, I thought there was a chance that he might step aside given injury history, concussions and, and knee injuries and shoulder injuries and the, the temptation to, you know, have a, a bad acting career and just to be Gronk. I mean, so anyone about Gronk, Gronk can make a living being Gronk. Why not? If you can make a living being Gronk, as opposed to Gronk, the football player, that's that's tempting. But he will be back. Said he met with Bill Belichick, and they were, quote, pleased with that meeting, as agent Drew Rosenhaus, who's still a thing, uh, told ESPN, quote, it was very positive, Rob is committed. So Gronk is back. Tom Brady will be back. The Patriots will certainly give it one more run. They'll win the AFC East again, and all will be well, if you will. Now, the interesting thing is, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine earlier today, the great Mikey Kay, who I'll be hanging with tomorrow at the B2 watching the draft, and you should be too, Bills fans. Why is it no one's talking about Let me correct myself. Because there are people talking about it, but it certainly is not in the discussion as much as, and I am, the sexy thing is all the quarterbacks on the top of the draft and the trades and, you know, the same conversations we have, but 
The Patriots have two first-round picks. This is a big deal. And they're 23 and 31, and I think we all know they're not staying there. Bill Belichick trades every year. It's usually like a swap of like fifth and sixth round picks, and they're moving around. And, you know, that third day of the draft when you're kind of half watching on Saturday afternoon and you just see the picks come up more than you hear the picks. But that graphic comes up every 10 minutes. The New England Patriots have traded a fourth round pick to the Cincinnati Bengals for three third round. I mean, it's just there are constant trades by New England. Nobody works the draft that way better than Belichick. Now he's got two first round picks and they need stuff. They let Brandon Cooks go. Belichick, of course, let Malcolm Butler go, didn't even play him in the Super Bowl. Like the Patriots have some needs here, not to mention, yeah, you remember that old Jimmy Garoppolo thing? They need another quarterback. They have plenty of needs and the Patriots, again, they'll finish where they finish and they'll win the AFC East and you could set your watch by it until you can't. And it's just one of the great dynasties, one of the great runs in sports. But when you discuss what could happen in the first round, do not primarily focus on the Browns at one and four and the Bills using 12 and 22 to move up to four or five or six or the order of quarterbacks. You got to wedge New England into that conversation because they have 23 and 31. And I would be willing to bet whatever is in Seth Goldberg's wallet right now, that they're not staying there. And that Belichick will make a bigger splash than usual. Usually it's a mere ripple on a pond nobody notices because it's always in the sixth round when you're kind of half paying attention. You know, for us by then, we're just, did the Syracuse guys go yet? And you're just watching that screen waiting for them to get picked. But that's when Belichick makes his moves. This year, he's got two first-round picks. He's going to make his move either for a quarterback or – Maybe he he takes two players there, best player available, that whole thing. Maybe he doesn't. $2.73. That's what you have in your wallet right now? That's pretty bad, Goldberg. It was more before I went and got lunch. I think you need to get promoted to morning show producer over on TK99. (laughs) Go talk to somebody about that. I know. Or don't talk to somebody about that. Or don't talk to anybody (laughs) about that. Don't talk to Paulie about that. Let's see how much I have currently in my wallet. I have less. I have two dollars. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold. On. Go. Go back a second. <laughs> you said and seventy three cents. Do you keep change in your wallet? Only like leftover from when I went and got it at lunch. This is a thing. And like, then I'm people, gonna I, get I, rid of it and put it in a bag really, in my apartment. This really bothers me. I hate it. Put coins my, in their wallet. I can't stand it. Can we do a wallet comparison? By the way, yours Holy is so cow. much. <laughs> Seth. Has I a have stool so much in his back pocket. <laughs> I have so much garbage in in my Holy in my wallet. Crap! Goldberg. I've got all these. Well, I got all these. I thought this was I bad. Business cards. You want one? Sure. <laughs> oh, it's your business card. I got excited because it had the ESPN logo on there. I was like, oh, that must be somebody important. Holy crap! You're gonna throw your back out. Do you sit on that? No. Go. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Seth Goldberg sits down. He grows four inches. Holy. Cow. That is a Costanza wallet. For the, you're not familiar with this because you're not there yet. So no. Sorry to spoil it for you, but those of you familiar alert. with the Costanza wallet from Seinfeld, you have him beat. Yeah, you might want to go through that thing. Out. I don't think you need that expired subway card from five years ago. I think you could toss that thing. Anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, uh, Gronk and the Patriots and, and things. But no, seriously. 
The Patriots are going to make a big splash this year, just not in the sixth round when no one's paying attention. That's hot. Dwayne Wade. Will he be back? Not back? Back? What, what did he say? Well, one thing I ain't worried about is that right now. You know, that's not my focus. Um, you know, uh, fresh off this NBA season, my 15th year, I sit back and think about that. Then I, I dive and throw myself into my family. You know, you know they, they're next and, and on my bucket list of making sure I'm there for them. And then when it's doing it, when it comes to the basketball side of it, which is a long time away from now, um, uh, then I think about that. But right now, uh, I ain't concerned with it. Um, of course, y'all know I give any thought. Um, this is Philly, and I love Philly, but ain't going to be no breaking news here in Philly. I'm sorry. So I appreciate y'all concerning, but we'll worry about that later. Um, you know. Now, here's why I bring this up. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, all drafted same year. Now, people forget Dwayne Wade and Melo played in that same Final Four. Dwayne Wade was on that Marquette team. LeBron, you didn't really need that college thing. So let, let's get a check here. Dwayne Wade, who had some great games this season back in Miami and, and at times showed Dwayne Wade circa 2009, he is talking about retirement. Carmelo Anthony should be. And LeBron James is the best player in the world and has really showed no signs of slowing down. Now, again, it is unfair to compare anybody to LeBron. But it just goes to show you the freak that he is. But look, it's not all God-given talent there. It is taking care of your body. It's investing in yourself. I saw a stat today. LeBron invests like $3 million a year and just like, his, you know, like the, the Tom Brady health plan kind of thing. And that must be nice if you can invest in that. Let's just say I don't have that much. I mean, you heard how much money I have in my wallet currently. It's more like, should I have the third cookie or not? That's my health plan. And quite often the answer to that is yes, of course. But those those guys are on the way out, and LeBron shows no signs of stopping. He'll stop when he wants to stop. And he. Uh, the other reason I wanted to bring this up was Dwayne Wade said, we're not going to break any news in Philly, so obviously Dwayne will go home and have a thing in Miami or Chicago where he's from, and that'll be the end of it. But Philly comes to mind because Philly advances. I am not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just merely reinforcing something you do, and it really struck me last night watching it. Joel Embiid is unbelievable, okay? I know there's a lot of focus on Ben Simmons. There's a lot of focus on the Greek freak, and there's a lot of focus on this next generation of players that are coming in. Again, I'm not breaking any news here, Bunny Stretch, but I'm, I really watched Joel Embiid last night. I'm like, damn, that guy's good. And he's just getting healthy again after yet another injury, and he's doing all this with a mask on, like Batman out there, just hitting these shots. Watch when he makes shots. The, the 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 net doesn't even move. Half the time, I'm like, did he make that? It is incredible. And Philly is ready to make their mark. They're the next team. And if LeBron decides to go there, like, what a dynasty that can be by NBA standards. So tonight you got Wizards and Raptors. That's tied to two apiece, so we'll get two more games there. Cavs Pacers, speaking of LeBron, tied to two apiece. LeBron James, who was averaging near a triple-double at this point in the postseason. And they need him to do that, just to survive. Victor Oladipo's been unbelievable, had that shot that could have tied it and gave the Pacers an even bigger lead in the series, but just missed out there. 
Timberwolves, Rockets, Houston ready to close out Minnesota, and then there's Jazz Thunder. With Utah leading three games to one, this one is an OKC, so they'll have the home crowd, and they are favored by three points in this game for entertainment purposes only, of course, but it has been fascinating to see the downfall of Carmelo Anthony, and I am not enjoying this by any stretch, but he cannot hit shots, and that... Utah and Oklahoma City, while fully knowing that this is sports and things can change with one good game, but Utah looks like a team that plays together, that has chemistry. Donovan Mitchell's been unbelievable, one of the best rookie runs we've ever seen. And I'm not saying that, you know, for effect. It's true. Look at the numbers. He's putting up numbers in his first NBA playoff series that only Michael Jeffrey Jordan did before him. But that's half the battle. Everybody's good at this point. Everybody's good enough to be in the postseason. But it's one of those things that the you know the analytics guys and the numbers geeks and some of these things that people swear by these days cannot measure. Do you like each other? Is there chemistry? Body language? Sharing the basketball? Oklahoma City doesn't have it. They are a dead team walking at this point. Whereas I, Philly's got the combination of the talent, but... That team likes each other. They sense it. They know it. There's a confidence there with that team. And that's half the battle in the playoffs, and that brings me to hockey. There is a Game 7 tonight, and enact the sports fan rule. You are required to watch a Game 7 when it is on, even if it's not a sport that you particularly enjoy. I picked the Boston Bruins to go to the Stanley Cup Final, for what it's worth. Uh, I did not pick them to win the Stanley Cup. I picked them to go there to take on Nashville, but Toronto has pushed them to a Game 7 for one reason and one reason only, and that is that Freddie Anderson has, I'm not fond of this expression, but I'll use it, he has stood on his head the last two games. The Bruins get it, Game 7 tonight at home. Toronto's got nothing to lose. They were supposed to lose this one, and frankly, Boston is still the better team. And I don't know if Freddie Anderson can do that again, but I'm always fascinated by teams that have all the pressure on them that are expected to not only win this series, but get to the Cup and at home. Because if Toronto gets a couple early goals, Van Rienzik, or if Austin Matthews scores and it's 2-0 and it goes quiet in that garden, all of a sudden things are going to get very interesting. Game 7s don't always live up to the hype. It's nice when they do. I think the Bruins will take care of business here, but they have been pushed as far as they can go by the Toronto Maple Leafs, that is for sure. We'll break on that note. Jason Horowitz, top of the hour on the NFL Draft. Stephen Bailey next hour. We will try and figure out which Syracuse players could get drafted because I don't think any will get drafted, but who could? There's three names you really center on there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. Thank you. Bye-bye.